All right, Chumba, let's hop into uh, let's hop into the section here called the Occasionalists, where we both are going to do a, like a little mini uh, blind segment. Uh, neither of us have seen each other's uh, outlines, so I, I don't know what's coming. So, why don't Chumba, you want to lead it off, or you want me to lead it off? Uh, you go ahead and lead it off, and I will bring up the rear. On All this right, one. Perf- perfect. Okay, so I'm calling I'm calling my portion of the Occasionalist Adam Trivaluski. Um, oh! This is trivia based off of things you have said this year. Uh, let's oh see if God, you remember that. Now, <laughs> it's not directly. It's not direct. So I'll, I'll, I'll preface this by saying it's not. The questions aren't directly about you, but it's relating to something that you've said. So okay, it, like it, the first question. Trust me, you did not mention this before, but this is this is based on something that you have said at some point in time. So we'll go to the okay. first question here. Um, kind of kind of a Jeopardy type of question here. This sitcom star is a member of an elite club that also includes Mikhail Gorbachev and the eight and the and the Apollo eight astronauts. Who is this person? And for a bonus, what is the club? Ooh, wow! Um, sitcom star Gorbachev and the astronauts. Wow, that is fucking insane. Um, I am drawing a blank on this one. I do not know. No guess at all. It's like I'm like I'm, my mind is going to like somebody who's older, but I have this feeling that it might not be the case. Um, let me just throw a name out there: David Schwimmer. David Schwimmer. Is that your final answer? Final answer. That is incorrect, Chama. You have mentioned this person already today. Oh, really? One more. Yeah. You want one more guess? Go for it. Okay, Volodymyr Zelensky. Oh, Zelensky. Oh, yeah. Go for yeah. Time Times Lazy. Person yep. of the Year, yep. Mikhail Gorbachev, the Apollo 8 astronauts. So, um, what 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 brought me to this was um, in our our okay, or, excuse me, our Beyond Borders episode. You were talking about Zelensky, and uh, well, we obviously were both talking about Zelensky. Do you remember what you said about his performance, perchance, in uh, Servant of the People? Uh, not specifically, no. Okay. It was... The positive things. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They, I don't think we had anything bad to say about, about uh, Servant of the People at all. I'm, I'm still watching it. So, I mean, it, it's good. Um, but you, you really hit on something that I think has clearly carried him a long way. It's not just that he's just a good entertainer. It's that he is overwhelmingly charming. Like, he oozes charm. Every scene that he is in, whether he's... In one of his fantasy scenes, or you know, where he's you know thinking about chastising the Ukrainian officials, or he's having his little powwow with Abraham Lincoln or whatever, or he's doing some some weird off the wall comedy thing like the walnuts thing in his mouth. You are right, man. There's just there is just there is just charisma and charm oozing off this guy. Yeah, it's nuts, man. I'm telling you, like we, Jess and I watch uh, Abbott Elementary, Quinta Brunson, same thing. So yep. much fucking charm. Yep. So much goddamn charm. Like. It's it's just like unfair. Like I wish I was that charming. I know, I know. It's it's he's pretty fantastic. Um, it was uh, it's that's been that has been. I'm not surprised that if, I don't watch it like every day, but I'm not surprised that I've continued watching it. Like it's it's the power of him, and then just the power of how how funny this particular situation is. I love it so much. Yeah, I'm you, never underestimate that charm. It's insane how much that can really. Do I should for a person. I should develop it's nuts. Some. Yeah, time me too. <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> let's see real quick here. Let's go to this one. Um, there's only three questions here, so don't don't worry. It's not going to be super long. On November okay. 2nd, 1920, 
Dr. Frank Conrad revolutionized communication with the first ever commercial radio broadcast. From what city was Dr. Conrad conducting his broadcast? Oh, let's see here. New York. Is that your final answer? That is the final answer. The correct answer is Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, it makes sense the Rust Belt would get in there. That's can right. you can you um, remember at all what this episode is from? Why I would be mentioning a radio thing? It would have been, um, oh my God, we talked about, there was some, we did talk about the radio um, in one of our episodes. This, where... is, this is the only infamous episode we have this year, of this past year. Infamous one. Um, I do not remember. I remember conversations about radio and stuff like that. We had a couple about radio. And, yeah. You know, I don't necessarily know if it's from the same episode, but like I, I'm drawing a blank on the specific one. This is the Lost Tapes uh, where I didn't record my dialogue or barely record oh. my dialogue for Appreciation April. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's right. Gotcha. And we were, yep, we were talking about, about Lost Tapes. Yeah, yeah, the lost tapes, and we were talking specifically about. Um, you asked a question about like local or like morning or local radio shows and like ro- local radio stations, and um, it was one of those. It was one of those ones that was really funny because, like, as as big of a part of our lives, especially as like teens, as ninety two three and WMMS, as big of like a part of our lives as they were. Neither of us, we both were just like, yeah, I really don't have any nostalgia for these radio stations. Like they, like the fact that Rover is still on is mind blowing. Um, and like he has brought nothing new to the table in 20 plus years and yeah, somehow he's still on the radio. Yeah. I remember when I came home last time around and I, I flew in on a red eye. So I got in right around the time that Rover was starting and it's, it's seriously like the same cast as it was 20 years ago. Dumb was back and like, Doogie's still mispronouncing stuff. Like uh, Jeffrey might be the latest edition of the show, and he's still a scumbag. There's like no new ground being broken there. Nope, just like pretty much the rest of Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, just wait till you guys get that uh, lakefront project thing that they're kicking around now. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. So there you go. Next, last question here. Uh, this is the this is the most esoteric one, um, but this is I think this is funny. Um, so. <clears throat> Hornbody, H-O-R-N-B-O-D-Y, an ancient name for this common plant, is likely an example of folk etymology where unfamiliar words are substituted for familiar ones. What is this common plant? Ooh, hornbody. Um, you are not going to get this, here. but this is, I thought this was funny. It's a plant that's yeah. really a, cat, a cactus, like horn body. That's the only thing I can think of. But just like the spikes. That's, not a, that's not a bad guess. It, is that your final answer? That's the final answer. Yeah. The correct answer is ginger. Um, possibly really? based off the shape of the off the shape of the the ginger plant. Um, but again, it could it could have been a mistake because of the way like a like folk etymology is like. Um, so, like, the Spanish for cockroach is cucaracha. And yeah. actually, that is the correct name for cockroach is cucaracha. But the English heard heard that, couldn't pronounce it, and said, I know cock and I know roach. So yeah. cockroach. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely believe that. And I'm looking at ginger plants right now. I mean, I can kind of sort of see it or whatever. It just, I, to me, again, like... Again, it's, it's not... It, it, this isn't exact. So, but... Yeah. Do you have... 
Can you even fathom or have the faintest idea why I asked this question? Redheads? Like, yes. That's the only thing I could... do, you, do you remember what in what context? Oh, God. There's so many of them, and it's all the same thing over and over again. Um, I knew I... Tormund Giants Bane was one like yes um, yes yeah, that's correct oh it's the um, yeah it's the language in Game of Thrones and how like there were these invent newer terms in Westeros in the last couple seasons that weren't in there in the previous ones look at Chama I brought you back to it perfect did you know that this term for describing someone goes at least back to the 15th century I heard that it went back a while I didn't know that it went that far back so it's actually probably in it's probably kind of fits with Game of Thrones to call someone a ginger. That would have been a good descriptor because the ginger plant itself um, in most iterations is very red. Like the root is like, well, it's like a root. It's fucking brown. Um, but the plant itself is very red. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. That now all of a sudden makes a little bit more sense. But no joke, that was the first fucking time we heard that word throughout the entire duration of the show. Is oh, I'm sure. Redheads. Like, oh, I'm sure. But, it's, but, it is, other... but it is a thing that like would have, if you go back to the Middle Ages... Someone being called a ginger, probably not that bizarre. It just wouldn't have been, it just wouldn't have been, obviously, English back then was not English, um, but it wouldn't have been in the same sort of vein, like as a kind of an insult. It really, it literally would have been saying like, you would have described someone back then as like, you with the, with the hair and beard, that of a ginger plant. Like, it wouldn't have had the same intonation as that it has now. And I think that's sort of like what you're picking up on. Okay, gotcha. Okay, that is really good to know, and that makes a lot more sense. And while I still will stand that that really came out of nowhere in Game of Thrones, at least it comes out of nowhere and makes sense. <laughs> right, right, exactly. No, I mean you're right. Like it's, I think it's this is one of those things that like I kind of I kind of hate when people complain about like certain language issues with like period pieces and stuff because like go go watch something like The Witch. And where the English is very faithful to English of like the, of the early 1500s. And if you were to do every goddamn thing like that, anything that took place really before like the 1700s, half, more than half the people would never understand it. Because language was wildly different back then. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, glad you brought up The Witch. I watched that a few weeks ago and stuff. And like... He does a really, really great job of sticking sticking to it and everything, but I have to safely assume that somewhere in there, there were some liberties taken to make things a little bit more um, understandable for people in this audience. They just he probably just stuck the phrase "ye" at the end of a couple sentences. It's like, all right, they'll get it, and it still blends in with the time period. Right, right, right. All right, so there you go. That was it. That was that was very Adam Trivoluski. Nice. Very, very nice. I do like that title. I'm gonna, if I ever get good at trivia again, I'm going to start calling myself. There, there you go. There you go. All right. Uh, All how about right. Uh, how about you go here? Your 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 you occasionalist section. Okay, so my section is going to be called "Through the Stargate." As Ooh. this past Saturday, I watched Stargate. It's been a long time, and I nice. fucking loved every goddamn minute of it. 1994. Roland Emmerich as the director. Dean Delvin as the writer. We got. James Spader looking all young and full of hair. Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Russell just like being 
Kurt Russell in his being, best way being Kurt Russell. Form. Yep. Yeah, and and once again, a movie where he is not the protagonist. This is like the Jack Burton thing all over it again. Really is, yeah. But in but in a science fiction type setting, and then like really interesting kind of supporting cast between French Stewart, um, Eric Avari, who is Kasuf, one, mm-hmm. one of the people on the, the planet, mm-hmm. and everything like that. Richard Kind is in this fucking movie. Uh, it's just awesome. Like had a really 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 great time watching it. Um, since I've kind of burned out on some 80s sci-fi stuff i'm now crossing over into the 90s i got universal soldier queued up for the weekend very nice so stargate was one of these ones that i felt compelled to watch and it was just it was great very nostalgic had a had a fun fucking time watching it so the two questions that i have to discuss today are um which i will throw out here momentarily uh, were just some things that i i had noticed and i think are maybe ripe for discussion here so um does Stargate could Stargate be considered as Afrofuturism? That's a really good question. Um, so let me. Okay, you, you go ahead. Sorry, didn't no, 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 no. If, if you have if you have something to add, real quick, go for it. Because I'm kind of okay. thinking. I'll I'll lay out my own thoughts on this oh sure go ahead, you're go thinking ahead. and stuff. Okay, so this is one of these things where it is like the court of law versus the court of public opinion here. Now I think I'm like. In a weird – okay, I guess like technically because it's on another planet, it might not be. And I also think that this might not be opinion, might be also shared in the court of public opinion because while Egypt is in Africa, it's almost like Egypt is like this whole separate kind of other thing. Now, Stargate really does give us everything that Afrofuturism would be like whether, and I know let's just ignore the fact that it's on another planet. Cause there are still like Egyptian um, like images juxtaposed in some way, shape or form when we get to the, the other planet. Now, um, like I feel that like this would be a, this would be a form of Afrofuturism, but not necessarily in the, the way that black Panther is Afrofuturism. I mean, we still get all, we still get, technology we still get flying stuff we get lasers we get a cool fucking alien style like pyramid type thing but just it's egypt it's not like the sub-saharan africa so i almost feel that or i do feel that like people judge and maybe separate egyptian stuff from like other african culture mainly because egyptian um culture and the ruins and history and everything is so like it's so vast and like it's just like seems specific to egypt that i think a lot of people might not consider um egypt to be afrofuturism but i think if you have to look at it from a technicality standpoint egypt stuff would be a form of afrofuturism not necessarily what the popular consider the, the popular opinion would be to consider to be Afrofuturism is what I'm saying. I gotcha. I gotcha. Here's, here's the problem. Um, you have a very whitewashed view of what Egypt is. And that is something that is very purposeful because those were all black people. All of them were black people. Um, those Kings, Queens, the, all the, all the Rams, they're black people. Um, the more modern interpretation from uh, from Egyptologists from Germany and England was to make sure that people didn't associate them with black people. But those were all black people. Um, so wipe that away. There is no difference between sub-Saharan Africa and northern... I mean, there is a difference, obviously. But those were all black people. Um, 
so you could consider this sort of a version of Afrofuturism. The problem is, again, that they sapped all of the black people out of this movie, except for Jaman Hansu is like the only black person of like any note that gets to do anything in this movie. Um, but yeah, there's, it's interesting because man, like if, if this movie, let's, let's just say Jaman Hansu was the, you played Ra, um, or, you know, some other, uh, or some other, um, black actor of the time, um, that would have been kind of in demand at that point in time. I think that you would have a very strong case for this being Afrofuturism, like a really, really strong case. Um, but simply because they went with people that are very, um, I, I would pinpoint these people more towards the Middle East as opposed to Africa. Um, like between, I mean, half of them are Hispanic, which is like, that's one part of it. And then like the other half are like Jewish Israelis. So these are definitely, what you're being presented with is definitely more of a, is a more of a sanitized whitewashed version of what Northern African history is. But I assure you, those are all black people. No, I could definitely believe that for sure. Like in movies have been doing this for the longest time, like even going back as far as like the Indiana Jones stuff, like you're always seeing Egyptians as portrayed as like tan. Middle Easterns. Middle Eastern like, tan yeah. people. They're black. <laughs> like they were, they were very black. Right, right, right. And like, that's the, the thing. Like even when I say that, like, I know that like, I don't think that people like think of like Egypt culture like each egyptian history and like correct. right correct yes like th those are like almost like like two separate they're like even taught in like two completely separate ways like when i was in school like and particularly in college like we learned about egypt and then like months later on down the road we learned about like the rest of africa so like somewhere in there like our culture is created i feel has created this like divide between egypt and the rest of africa and that's why, like, that's why I have, I guess, problems saying that this is full 100% Afrofuturism is because of this divide that, I don't know, history, schools, the world, the media, whatever it is, has created between that country and the rest of the continent. Yeah, I mean, there's, because of, because of Egypt's location, there were definitely more, like, versus, you know, versus, like, when you get to, you know, more Central Africa, like, when you get to the Congo and or I don't know if it's even called the Congo anymore. So these countries, some, some of these countries in the middle of Africa change names every like decade. Um, but when you get to when you get to sub-Saharan Africa, there definitely is more of a there. It, it does become more overwhelmingly black. And because of the um, the simple location of places like Egypt, uh, or just North Africa in general, there obviously would have more travelers from the Middle East, more travelers even from Europe at that point in time. So there were more white people, and there were more white people that were integrated um, into into ancient Egypt. But for sure, but for sure, like we do teach that so very separately, and a, and a lot of that comes from sort of the a lot of that comes from the, the way that it was presented in like the nineteen thirties and forties from like originally from German and English um, archaeologists and philosophers. It's just mm -hmm. one of those things that carried over through like our history books. No, I, I totally, no, I, I definitely understand what you're saying here. And like the second question is, is like, I also noticed that like Stargate meets a basic criteria for cyberpunk. This is high tech and low life in a somewhat dystopian setting. Does Stargate meet the criteria for cyberpunk, but in a different like context? Cause I get like, to me, 
like I hear cyberpunk, I automatically think like Blade Runner. But then yeah. when I look it up on Wikipedia, it basically says high tech, low life and gives you some examples. And this is kind of that. Like it's just it's pretty close. Yeah. It's in a different world. So like I, I guess if I was to since this is the, the two questions are centered around terminology, I would for me anyway, I think this falls more into cyberpunk than it does Afrofuturism. Maybe it's maybe it's all of the above. <laughs> like seriously, like, yeah. maybe it's oh, yeah. all of the above simply because like we haven't we hadn't had I don't recall anything prior to this really taking the taking the Egyptian culture and launching it sort of into a um into sort of a sci-fi setting. Right? Like we've had a lot of right. the other like space epics and things you could kind of trace back to like Roman or Greek Greek legends. I, I mm-hmm. don't think we had had anything that really went for um, that really went for e- Egypt, like Egyptology. You know, obviously it's not the future, but we're talking about like massive future tech. And then when we get into the TV series, like we like they really unleash all of, like the technological stuff that the that this society has like built. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like so, this movie like just nineteen ninety fucking four. which it's not lost in time because, but I mean like the show is definitely like carried on. And I think people, if you ask them today might think about the show before the movie. And um, I got to tell you, like this movie kind of offered a lot for just this fucking random ass movie from 1994 that eventually became a show. Like there was a lot for me to unpack here in terms of like, you know, themes of finding your place in the world, acceptance, whatever it is. And then not to mention the, the science fiction element where I guess it just when I thought about Stargate before watching it, I was just, yeah, I kind of had like a general thing in my mind. Maybe a couple scenes were standing out to me, but then as I watched it, I was like, dude, this movie off does offer a fucking lot. And like, I love the, the end where we get to see like the alien and stuff like that, the big twist with Ra and everything. Like this was just I thought it was a really really good fucking movie, and. um it's just kind of unfortunate that Roland Emmerich doesn't do stuff like this anymore, that he's just too bent, hell bent on hating the world and destroying it. <laughs> I know, was, I know. But again, like what's weird is Independence Day was the next one. So like, it's almost like he's like, it, it almost feels like the, the evolution of his career in some way, shape or form. And this was like an early step in the evolution of Roland Emmerich. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. I think, boy, I, I really feel like if you, if you simply had this cast consist almost entirely of black actors and actresses, I think that this would sit very firmly as Afrofuturism. Like, 100%. I, I think the lack... Again, there were definitely people that looked like Eric Avital and Millie... I can't remember who played Shuri or whatever her name was. Um, there are definitely people that looked like that. But there are also a lot of people, because it's Africa, that, that look like Jaman Hansu. Um, right. So I think had you... Had you had many more people that looked like Jaman Hansu in this movie, I, I think you would we would have talked about this movie, and this movie would have been not like written in academic circles like that, but like people would have talked about how this is one of our first blockbuster examples of Afrofuturism. That when when they do talk about how um, Black Panther is this really you know maybe the maybe your shining example of what Afrofuturism is and can be they would reference, hey, remember Stargate? That was like one of the first ones. Right. I gotcha. Dude, I definitely understand what you're saying here for sure. And but, like, is di- there was diversity in the cast, but like, I think that um, in terms of, 
leaning more with African-American actors probably would have been the right decision on this. Yeah, it's one of it's tough because like if you and like as we're sitting here, I, I was going through I was going through like a couple of studies like it's location definitely led like there's a lot of like there's like a lot of white, if you will, European DNA that pops up in salvageable Egyptian ancient Egyptian DNA and like their descendants and stuff like that. But again, also where does where else is a lot of it come from? Central and Sub-Saharan Africa, which go ahead, they're all black. You know what I mean? Like it's right. it's it's not a monolith, but it does feel like it does feel like now I'm really thinking about this movie, which I still love this movie so much. It's so fucking good. Um, now thinking about this movie, they probably need to include four or five more black actors in prominent roles. Yeah, and if the movie gets remade, I could definitely see them going that route for yeah. sure. It'd be, I think, a little bit more um, on point as to how the culture was back in the day. They, they, I'll tell you what, like, there's literal, there's like that sort of whitewashing of a lot of African history and also literal whitewashing of not necessarily African history, but a lot of, um, like, when you think about Greece, you think about like these big, like, marble, like, white temples and stuff, right? Right. Except for those were all colored. Like, they were painted on, they were, like, red and blue. They were real wild colors. And mm-hmm. um, when they were, like, excavated, um, especially, like, German archaeologists th- just thought they looked better if they just wiped all the fucking paint off, essentially. Of course. So, of like, course. yeah, that, that makes some sense. So there's, yeah. like, literal whitewashing <laughs> of history as well. Yeah, no, I could I could definitely see that and stuff. And it only, it only makes sense that... Um, a culture that was as advanced and as artistically driven as the Greeks were that they wouldn't just have bland, like white ass buildings right. and stuff that there'd be a little bit more character to them in some way, shape or form. There's, there's like, um, there's like an ancient Phoenician temple. So I can't, I can't remember probably in, in Crete. Um, that's like really well preserved dude. It, it looks like, it looks like a bunch of hippies lived in it. Like it is so <laughs> brightly, wildly colored. You're just like, you're just kind of like, Oh, that's what, maybe not necessarily the Parthenon, but that's probably what some of these temples and shit look like. And when you get to some of like the main Greek, Greek cities. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at some of these like photos now and the, just the whole thing about Wikipedia and stuff. And it's just like, yeah, like these buildings were fucking colored and shit. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, what was your other question in there? Do you have another one? Oh, th- there was, th- those were those two, the okay. cyberpunk and the um, Afrofuturism yeah, question. Yeah. You bet. Can we also talk about how, so Jay Davidson played raw and he was also um, the he's also in the Crying Game. Um, there's a controversy with him, not controversy, but um, like a whole thing about because he was nominated for an Academy Award, but they wanted to keep it. They wanted to keep the the turn that he was a that he was transgender, um, like a secret. Obviously, because mm-hmm. if you because then you because you have to nominate at that point in time you'd have to nominate him. Well, you still do. You'd have to nominate him as a best supporting actor or actress, and that would sort of ruin the surprise of the movie. Um, you know, that, oh, by the way, he's, it's, it's a woman, you know, Jay Davidson has very extremely feminine features. Um, and he was, you know, portraying a woman in that movie before, like Stephen Ray finds out that it's a man. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else could have played Ra besides Jay Davidson. Yeah, that was a perfect fucking casting choice. It really, really was. Like, I was even thinking about, like, like the guy who plays Rufio from Hook, like, yeah. kind of looked like him. And I even think that Rufio is a little bit too much in the wrong direction as far as a casting choice goes. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's this sort of very, the fact that J. Davidson is sort of very, 
his especially at this point in time um i mean like he's in like his 50s now or 40s now but like at this point in time in his life he was very very androgynous looking he almost kind of looks like an alien right like right. he's so androgynous looking that it just sort of accented like what what was going on and then i think after this after this movie he only does like one other movie and then he was done with it yeah his imdb page is like nothing to get excited about and it's like we're talking like a long gap um i think he may have done like some short or something more recently that yeah. just kind of got swept under the rug but he definitely um took a break after uh after this movie and stuff yeah. that's for sure Man, what a fucking Stargate! I, I, I told you I watched Stargate Atlantis, right? Like all of it. Uh, yes, the show. Yes. Yeah, Th- that is like, it is just funny. Other than the Stargate, and you know, like the general idea of like the, you know, the cultures and civilizations that they've kind of run into. Other than that, there's nothing. It bears zero resemblance to Stargate the movie. Like zero resemblance. Of course, they're just like, hey, we got a portal. Let's fucking see what we can do here. Give them the, at least keep the name, keep the Stargate, and then we're good to go. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was, I mean, wasn't like a, it wasn't like a waste of my time, but at the same time, if it wasn't one of those things I was watching while I was working, I definitely would not have watched it. Wouldn't have even bothered. Yeah. <laughs> no, I understand for sure. All right, let's get into podcasting in 2022. And I wanted to bring this up because this is like the, you, as you've mentioned before, this is like your first year that like you really sort of got like dug deeper into podcasts than you than you it had is. previously. So Definitely. what were what were some of the pods that you listened to this year that are of note? Okay, so um, I when it came to sports, I fell into the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah. Oh, it just lot too much material out there for me to not get onto one of these shows. Um, I got into a, a blank check pretty hardcore. I'm all have some things to say about that. Um, I did like this video archives podcast with uh, Tarantino and uh, Roger Avery. Oh, yeah, I thought that, I that was really that good. Yeah. It is. It is good. It's a, it's a longer podcast. Um, and I, I will say that um, some of the, the movies like are like, these are ones that are just like, yeah, this is just, Tarantino would be doing this like stuff I've never even heard of. But once they talk about these movies, I'm like, okay, like now I kind of got to see this. Like I've been watching, I've been trying to watch it on YouTube late at night. I've just been falling asleep called welcome to blood city with Jack Palance. It's almost like a, like a, like a Westworldy type movie and stuff like that. And you could totally tell it's like shot in the seventies. Like, my God, this is like a seventies movie all the way. <laughs> so like, um, so they give you like a lot of like really cool insight into, into some movies that used to be at that video store, video archives that tarantino had worked at Mm -hmm. so um, i do appreciate that podcast i did listen to the must remember manson um section from you must remember this i thought that was really good and i've dabbled into like um a couple of like i have these podcasts that are like kind of in the queue because i've fallen into this thing where like anytime i watch a movie whether it's like going to the theater or actually sitting down at the house and watching something, not just like I threw a movie on in the background. It's like the minute that I get done watching it, all I want to do is listen to like five different podcasts on the subject. So I have like, um, how did this get made? We hate movies like the unspooled with, with Paul Shear. So I have some yeah. of these other podcasts that are saved and locked, Gorley and rust, like saved and locked and loaded 
for whenever I do like sit down, watch a random movie and I want to like continue to listen to people talk about it. So yeah, man, it's been, um, it's been quite the year uh, podcasting wise. Um, and as we get into the conversation, like there's definitely more specifics to lay out there, but th- those are some of my, some of the ones that you've recommended to like uh, nothing personal with Samson. I listen to that every mm-hmm. single morning. I think he does a great job. So um, yeah, I'm still growing and learning and there's been a lot of times where I've, you know, I've, got excited for something, still listen to it. There's been a lot of times where I've been super excited about stuff and have the episodes just kind of not do it for me. So we'll get into some of that yeah. as we continue oh, for the sure. conversation. For sure. <laughs> I'm glad, um, I'm glad that you mentioned in there unspooled, um, is one that I, I, I know I'd listened to it previously, but like this year I kind of like went deeper into, into some of the episodes. Um, uh, again, along with nothing personal, as you mentioned, so I won't have to dally on that one too long. Nothing personal is great. Um, there's another one that I tried that I'm going to talk about more called, what are you into? Um, with, uh, I believe the host is Kelly Hudson and, um, sort of the, the one that I'll talk about more at length here called the sloppy boys, um, okay. that I found at the beginning of this year and just couldn't, could not race through those episodes fast enough. Um, and then I have all my usual standbys like this year, since you brought a blank check real quickly, I won't get too far into this, but. Since you brought a blank check, for the, you know, I've been listening to it for a couple of years, but I kind of always tended to like, eh, I'll skip this director and, and you know, go to this director or, you know, whatever yeah. it is. This this year, I was just like, you know what? No, listen to the Jane, Camp- listen to the Jane Campion one. Let's go back and listen to, you know, the um, Robert Zemeckis one. Um, like, that's been really, like, even like the Jane Campion one, that's been really rewarding to go through some of these. Like, not that I don't, not that I dislike Robert Zemeckis. I'm just not a huge Zemeckis fan. But it was mm-hmm. really interesting to go back and listen to some of his early, early, like early 1980s works. Um, like how, like seeing that like foundational, you know, like those pieces of, of this particular director were already present like in 1979, 1980. Just, just an interesting thing, even if you are interested in that director. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Like that podcast specifically, um, I, okay. So like I scrolled through like all the different episodes that they have, like some like 200 something episodes available mm-hmm. on Apple. And like before it was blank check, it was like a star Wars podcast Correct. or something yep. like that. And then, um, it evolved. And like, I caught a little bit of the James Cameron when they do the, the Terminator and like the song, everything in this, like two to th- they are way ahead of they're so ahead now compared to where they were. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm so surprised at that. And like, I am, um, I'm getting ready to dive into more of the, like the, the back catalog. So basically everything pre the, the Carpenter stuff, which I listened to the whole Carpenter filmography thing, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting, I'm starting to get into those. I'm just like, with them it's like since the podcast is two hours like i have a tendency of only listening to it when i know i'm not doing anything for two hours you Correct. know what i'm saying yeah. like i want to start it and finish it mm-hmm. yeah when it, when i'm when i'm working and i know i have a day where it's just kind of a lot of there's a lot of like menial work i'm mm-hmm. just like oh this is a perfect blank check day like no i don't i don't, I don't have meetings no one's gonna bother me about stuff i can sit here and just gonna be doing the same shit over and over again blank check day yeah, definitely, dude. Definitely. <laughs> so it, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to mention podca- any of the podcasts in particular, but is there anything specifically that keeps you coming back to a pod regardless of the format or genre? You know, like what, what hooks you? Okay, so like with the Locked On stuff, it's the consistency that I'm into, like the fact that they have 
a new episode every single day. Like the, the Pac-12 guy, the USC guy are every single day recording episodes. Mm-hmm. The same thing with the Browns. Um, I there's like a, I think maybe like the, the big, the big 10 one is the one that's a mess. Like the, I don't even, they don't have any like consistent recording schedule. You'll get like three episodes a week, one week to another week. It's yeah, like the, the big, the, the big 10 one's a little sloppy, but the other ones that I listen to, which would be the Dodgers guardians, Browns, Cavs, USC, and Pac-12, all of those are very consistent. So the consistency and knowing that there's a new episode in some way, shape, or form for me to listen to in the morning, that is one thing that keeps me going all the way. Um, When it comes to Blank Check specifically, and also this is something that I am drawn to with other podcasts, is how well-researched it is. Mm-hmm. And blank check is extremely well researched. And I know that they have their own guy who puts together like the dossier and yeah. stuff. And it's like you and I could easily do this stuff, but we don't have six hours to just like dig up quotes from interviews and throw them into it. We just <laughs> right. don't have that kind of time. Right. So like, I appreciate the well researched element of it. And then the third thing is um, it, it comes down to the overall host in general, like with video archives, since I am a Tarantino fan, like I appreciate who the host is and his knowledge on the subject. There are some hosts out there, like um, there's this one podcast I can't remember the specifics of, and I don't really want to shit on this guy because he's doing a great job with what he does, but his voice doesn't necessarily hook me in. So like, it's hard to listen to a podcast sometimes where like the, the host knows a lot, but it's hard to actually listen to them by the way their voice sounds. And this is a rare one for me, but um. That, that that type of thing does happen. So one thing that does keep me coming back is it's crazy, but it's like who depends whoever the host is. Oh, for sure. Um, the the host is a big one, and I'll I'll get into that here in in a, in a second. Actually, um, kind of on a negative. Um, but the host the host matters. I think you, you're kind of hitting on something too, like you, that, the, especially with like blank check, like the well researched part. I love it when it's well researched in general, but I love it when the guest comes on. And is equally up to the research and yes. into like they're not they're not just there to talk about something and then like you know plug their movie and like go home or whatever. Um, like thinking in particular blank check whenever Alex Ross Perry is on, you are yeah. going to get a history lesson that he was like dying to give, and it's right. it's really fascinating. And he's it's not just that episode, it's not just that podcast. There's other podcasts too where the guests are really like really into like what's going on, and that always amps up the the podcast several notches and makes me want yeah. to come back to it it definitely makes it a lot better oh my god you could totally like the alex ross perry is a great example because i've heard two episodes with him on it which is halloween and a clockwork orange the clockwork orange episode is over three hours i listen to it straight yep. you know and because like on top of him being well researched the discussion in that podcast literally flowed so well where I, I looked looked at him like god there's like there's an hour left of this like i want to hear more which mm-hmm. is crazy after listening to three hours of podcasting and stuff and like there are other um podcasts that i listen to like there's this one called a script a script apart where this guy does uh, basically goes over first drafts of different screenplays with writers and everything mm-hmm. and like some writers that come in there like the the guy who wrote barbarian was like all about it. You know, you clearly tell he doesn't do like a lot of interviews. So he made like, a, and he's a newer as well too. So like, mm. you know, he came in and he was really like excited about it and stuff. And then like when Aaron Sorkin came on the, the podcast, um, Aaron Sorkin was more like interview Aaron Sorkin, where you're hammering home the intention, the ideas of intention and obstacle. And it's like, 
it doesn't have the same kind of heart as some of the other interview mm-hmm. people do. So like there's definitely a big difference between people that are coming on the show to be participants and people who are coming on to be interviewed. Yep. Yeah. Oh, definitely different energy, a whole different energy for sure. Um, so I like that. And then I'll, I'll add a couple here to, to it that you kind of mentioned it. Like, I like that shows, I like that when shows have a routine, um, mm-hmm. you know, be it, be it the actual release, you know, whether it's once a week or every day, I like that there's a routine there. And I like when the episodes themselves have like a routine and a format. Um, yes. Like just to real quickly, I will, I will get specific. Um, so in the Sloppy Boys, they do uh, the segment called Booze News. And it's a roundup of uh, the, the Sloppy Boys podcast is like a cocktail podcast. And um, they, so they open, they open up with Booze News. And it's like this roundup of stories, you know, the last like, week or so from the world of alcohol, spirits, whatever. And originally they had their own theme for the theme song for the segment, but now they now like in that that was like the first like several episodes, and then since then they've had even though it's like even though it's a routine now it's listener submitted themes that that open up okay. the booze news segment. So like you get some weird well you get some ones that are just straight music, you get ones that are sampled. Um, they're always very funny, and they're mm-hmm. definitely like very weird, but like. It's one of those things I'm like, oh, like we're going to take the thing that's routine and we're going to put a little flair on it. Um, so I, I like that even even in routine, there's a little bit of like um, a little bit of space to color outside the lines, if you will. Um, and then I, what I really like about um, what I really like when uh, at any podcast, but specifically um, with the Sloppy Boys and I'll go to nothing personal as well. I like that there's like different pers- there's a different perspective on the topic. So like you could listen to a cocktail podcast from mixologists or pro bartenders. Um, Mm -hmm. These are just dudes that like to drink and like to kind of explore the drinks and like are interested in like where they come from. So like there's a very different perspective on it than a professional mixologist telling you like, no, this is what this is. This is how it should be. They're over there like doing all kinds of stuff. Like guarantee you in an episode, one of them is going to forget an ingredient and they're going to, make a drink that is not quite right and like it's just like yeah because that's what you or i would do if we you know mm-hmm. we'd, we'd fuck up and miss like our bitters or something like that so that that's kind of like i like that different perspective and you know thinking about like you know nothing personal while it's a sports podcast there aren't many where you're not talking to a former athlete or like a sports columnist one of the, he was one of the people in management um, you know, um, David Sampson was president of the Marlins for a long time. So like right. you're getting a very different perspective on what the sports world looks like through the eyes of someone who is controlling essentially the purse strings of a franchise. Yeah. His perspective on everything I find to be extremely unique and he makes comments about things in the sports industry that are, that are happening, you know, now as we speak tomorrow's episode, God only knows what happened today. That'll t- probably talk about Baker for all we know. And, um, the fact that he comes from a management perspective is incredibly interesting to me because he shares all these kinds of stories about like, you know, what it would take to sign somebody, what they had to go through with signing stuff. And even if it isn't involving the players, when he talks about like the overall um, experience of the, like people going to the stadium and like stuff in business wise in the stadium, like I was incredibly interested by that. I totally was. It was just fucking what a great like perspective to bring to the table you don't get a lot of that in sports podcasts yeah exactly exactly so what makes you unlikely to continue listening like is there anything like specifically you can point to okay so there are a couple of different things and um 
the first thing that I have to mention is I have this real issue with like third parties. And when I say the third parties, I'm not talking about the guests or the hosts, but it's usually like some type of a co-host that's usually like a background type thing. So like what I was yeah, saying, gotcha. like who, the, usually okay, the, the sometimes like, silent producer. Correct. So like, like Matt Coca on nothing personal, like he might be like the best example of how to be one of these people where he's just kind of sending messages to David throughout the course of the show and stuff. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's awesome. Like uh, Megan on the, it's always sunny podcast does a really, really good job of like yep. wrangling the guys together and kind of keeping them in some resemblance of like a structure and stuff right. like that. You know what I'm saying? There are times though, where like, the third party can seem a little like uninvited into the discussion, I guess, or maybe not really even bringing anything new, just kind of like reinforcing the hosts and stuff. And like, I don't mind it when it happens every now and then, because like, you know, obviously there are many people behind the podcast. It's not just who the, the people who are talking, there's producers, there's other people involved and, these people who are involved have the right to get on there and speak their opinions and stuff. But sometimes they don't really bring as much to the table as the hosts do. So I have a little bit of a problem with like reoccurring third party characters. And there are some times where it um, becomes like annoying enough to where I'm just like, I'm, I'm kind of done with it. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like if Rover decided to hand the show over to Dieter and it was just like, okay, Dieter's going to talk for an hour. And it's like, all right, my God, like, I don't know about that guy. So, so I got, I do have a kind of an issue with the third party stuff. One thing, and this is people out there might ring me on this one, but I am over the comedy podcast. Like I don't want to hear stand-up comedians go on to shows and do versions of their stand-up routine mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, I don't know. Like the, the idea of getting like a bunch of comics together, this may sound like gold to people, but for me, it just doesn't sound, it's just going to be people trying to compete to get the, the best laugh and any sub substance of the podcast is gone, you know? So like, I, I'm not too into the idea of the comedian centric podcast. And then the third thing that I will get that, that kind of bugs me is, um, this is all goes back to the routine thing. When these podcasts are so like, it's almost like they're treating it like the last couple seasons of game of Thrones where it's like, Hey, we're going to do this episode. And then, at any random time, another episode could drop. So like I, I finally found this podcast. It's called, um, I think it's called for the life of the records. Like, because I still like one thing I had been struggling to find is a decent music podcast. Mm-hmm. So like it's this podcast called life of the record. And I listened to one of these episodes um, a couple of days ago. That was awesome. It was all about um, making the replacements. pleased to meet me. This is what a podcast should be. It's like, it's a two people talking and then there's all these cool kind of like media clips and like interview footage that's intertwined throughout the course of the podcast. This was awesome. And like, as I'm scrolling through this podcast library on Apple, like they have like, they don't have that many episodes for starters. And then like the other thing is their catalog is like these albums that I really don't care all that much about. (laughs) So like I finally find like a music podcast that is tolerable in the format. And it's like, I never get episodes. And whenever we do get episodes, it's just like 
okay. You know what I'm saying? There's a Southern mm-hmm. music podcast called the Opus where like, I like the host. The host is very knowledgeable. The The setup is great, but they, they record like five half hour episodes a year. And I'm just like, all right, guys, if you're talking about Pearl jams, 10, you give me about, you give me four hours to do research and stuff. I will give you a bunch of episodes that are longer than a half an hour. And you could do all the media stuff, all the, the interview footage, everything. And I'm just like, what are you guys doing? So like, this is, you know, you're, you're clearly making this podcast and you're, and then you only do like five episodes on Pearl Jam's 10. And that's 75% of the episodes you release for an entire year. I got a little bit of problem with that because it makes it hard for me to develop a relationship with the host and the, the, the podcast itself. And I kind of ended up like tuning myself out, you know? Yeah. Oh, totally. You, you are hitting on something that, that I put up here. Um, so I'll, I'll just piggyback right off with you. That I hate when the the podcast lends itself to like a really interesting deep dive and does not do the full deep dive. Um, yeah. And this is an issue that I actually have with Unspooled. While I do like the show in general, um, some of the episodes I'm like, oh, you only did 75 minutes on the Blair Witch Project? You could do right. 75 minutes on the reaction to the Blair Witch Project. You could mm-hmm. do 75 minutes on what the actors th- think about the Blair Witch Project. You could do 75 minutes on the pop culture zeitgeist at that point in time and why the Blair Witch Project was such a big hit. But you only did 75 minutes. That feels like you you left at minimum an hour on the table that you could talk about this movie. And that's like yeah. my only problem. It's not just Unspooled. There's other podcasts like this that claim to be deep dives or like examinations of things. And I'm looking at it and I'm just like 40 minutes on, you know, on like 40 minutes on like one of like the Star Wars movies and I'm like the original Star Wars movies. I'm like, what deep dive are you doing in 40 minutes exactly? Right. No, I know exactly what you mean. And with Unspooled, because I'm glad you brought up that specific example, I listened to um, their podcast where they talk about RoboCop. And this was right around the time where we were getting ready to do the best of July and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm listening to this podcast and I'm like, okay, this is Paul Shear and uh, June Diane Raphael, no, uh, I think. Uh, Amy Nicholson. Amy Nicholson. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. I thought he did it with his wife for some reason. No. But um, okay, so like they're talking and I was like, okay, these are people that are inside the industry. They're actors and stuff, but they're literally doing like the that what we talked about. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, these, and we did a much deeper dive into RoboCop than they did. And I felt we provided much more insight than these two people who are in the industry. So yeah. like it, it, it does kind of bug me on that. And like, there's, there's this other podcast that I listened to in, in preparation for the lost boys where like they basically just had the Wikipedia page open and we're picking and from the Wikipedia page. And it's like, Oh, and then 90 minutes later, I'm like, okay, so what? Did I, you, right. you read the, now I don't have to read the Wikipedia page. That's great. But uh, at the same time, it wasn't like as d- deep of a dive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It, it just, it just bugs me. Like it, it just, it feels like if the, if the idea is to do more of an exploration of like, Hey, I like this movie. Here's the shit I like about it. Here's some cool shit about it. Like then you, it just feels like you can't, you can't do that like in an hour. Or 75 minutes or even 90, 90, like, again, just thinking about Blank Check, my goodness, they, some of these movies that I've never even heard of, I listened to two hour and 45 minute episode, episodes on. Like, yeah, they get that into detail and in, into like, like a, a fucking Bob Fosse movie. 
like Bob Fosse only directed like five movies ever, like The Dancer, um, mm-hmm. um, who's like most noted, like the that's where Michael Jackson got his moonwalk from. And yeah. but like they did like a two hour forty five minute episode of one of his movies. Like, there's first off that would never be on something like Unspooled or um, you know some other some other Ringerverse Entertainment um, podcast. Let alone would they devote that much time to it. Right. Exactly. Exactly, dude. Yes, I know exactly what you mean, and that I know that people like may see like two hours, three hours, and be turned off. But like, I'd rather have a two or three hour, well researched, deepest shit dive than an hour and a half discussion where you're like just reading off the Wikipedia page. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll get to I'll get to my other one here real quick. Um, so specifically with like, what are you? This is very much specific to what are you into, and it's. It's this, what it is, is like an exploration into alternate relationships and like areas of sexual intrigue that like are sit like somewhat on the fringes, but aren't like, aren't like really weird. Like we're just talking like people who like visit sex clubs, open relationships, um, maybe people that are into like ropes and like that kind of stuff. Right. 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 The host interviews people like she herself is like in, um, like an exploring open relationship and like she'll interview someone who's like a, you know, like a dungeon master, like at a club in LA or something. Yeah. Um, and when it's interesting, it is, it's very interesting, especially when the guest gets very personal about like their likes or, you know, what they don't like. Um, it, it can be very, very interesting and intriguing. It's, it, it gets sure it's sexual, but like, that's not like what I'm listening for. Right. There's pornography. If I really wanted to do that, um, right. <laughs> it, it's, but it is like, a, it's just interesting to hear like the way some of these people have lived their sexual lives, but oftentimes it turns into this space for people to get very preachy about ag- really like against something like mm-hmm. it'll be someone who is like, maybe like they'll have a couple, just show a couple on or just one person in the couple who's, um, who is not into relationships at all. They just kind of, it's just, you know date someone hook up whatever date the next person hook up whatever and it becomes less it becomes less about why they like their relationship and more why everyone else's relationship sucks and it's right. just sort of like okay well this works for you this isn't something everyone should try necessarily um like yeah sure talk about it and be open about it like why it works for you but like the way a lot of times like when the when you get into some of these um when you get into some of these interviews it's just like well, everything else sucks and what I do is great. And, it, and it's like, well, right. But like what you do, there's, there's this one episode in particular, this woman went on all sorts of tangents and the host did nothing to slow her down or mm-hmm. like sort of even ask questions about, like it was just basically just yes. And so like, it, okay, fine. But like, it just kind of spiraled this woman into places that were like insane. Like where they're talking about, yeah. it, it went from like, she has like a, I'll, I'll get into her sex work specifically here in a second, but it went from her sex work into like Christopher Columbus arriving in Puerto Rico after San Salvador. And I'm like, where's this fucking conversation going? I like, right. I, I thought, so she's like a somatic sex sexologist, which is essentially someone who provides therapy and also jerks people off at the same time. Okay. Interesting. Um, and it's, I, I think I want to say she's based out of Denver so this type of sex work is only legal in Colorado. If, yeah. And the way she was kind of talking about it was like sort of like everyone should do this. And I'm like, if everyone did this elsewhere in the country, they'd be arrested. 
Right. Because right. it's called prostitution is what you're is like, uh, whether or not you're uh, like, I don't have a problem with it. I just like the way that it just like the show becomes a very rapidly becomes an echo chamber of this is right and everything else is wrong. It's one of those things that I'm just like, I like, I, I don't care if it's right or wrong. Just tell me about it. That's all I want to right. know. Oh, dude, I know exactly what you mean. And like this, um, what you're describing here is. Unfortunately, a very, very common trait in people that participate in the non-traditional relationship format, I guess, to be to describe it. And they think everything that you're everything that what everybody else is doing except for them is wrong. And like they'll you know, like they completely leave out the fact that like not everybody might be into what you're doing and that's totally fine too, as considering what you're doing is entirely fine, but like you can't go on a show, you can't go on TV and like shit on all these people and stuff like that and expect for you to like get the same acceptance when you are outright shitting on everybody else. You know what I'm right. saying? Like this, it's um that unfortunately is a, it's sort of a common thread amongst people in those situations. And definitely from my own um, experience with people in those situations. And right. is it, is the host of this, is this Carly Sortino, like a Carly slut ever from vice? Is that no, no, no. Uh, Kelly Hudson, Kelly Hudson. Okay. Gotcha. It just, this sounds like something that slut ever would have evolved into. So that's why, why no, I no, no, no. This but, is something you definitely have never heard of. Um, she, like it's, it's one of the, um, one of the head gum people, and like Headgum has figured out, like we can just get D-list celebrities to do podcasts, like because they they have enough connections to get like bigger fish on the shows, and like they're not doing anything, so like whatever we can pay them to, to podcast. Um, she's like a comedian, uh, a sometimes comedian, um, whatever. But um, there's also this other thing that I cannot stand on these types of podcasts, where like they try to do the sexy voice, like they force it. Oh, and I'm just like, please stop. Just talk like people. Just talk like right. people. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's like Jesus Christ. You're trying to like get, trying to make it somewhat of a uh, podcast porn or something like it, that. Like, which I like, really like there. yeah. She'll like she'll open up a show. Or not even necessarily her. Like it, it'll even be a guest sometimes, and we'll talk about stuff. Like you know, like a like I remember this one. This one episode was actually really good with this like dungeon master guy. It was really interesting, and the way like when she introduced him was like, and this is master james and i'm like please stop that just yeah (laughs) like he never did it just you you don't have to do it right yeah master james isn't trying to be sexy you don't have to worry about doing that this is a podcast for crying out fucking loud (laughs) yeah ridiculous so what's your what's your favorite pod uh, of this year the favorite pod from this year is undoubtedly the blank check where they cover 2001 a space odyssey that was That's a really fucking good. great episode john hoffman is the um guest for that episode is like a freelance or jordan hoffman, jordan hoffman a yeah. freelance film critic and like they break apart that movie in ways that completely blew me out of the water just like their own explanations for things when they break down the the scene at the end and stuff like that where um David Bowman of all fucking names in the world I for know, that right? guy Star to have. Child. Yeah, David Bowman yeah. the Star Child. Yeah, like when they break down that whole thing with him in the room, what he's looking at, they they literally go through it like shot by shot for about 5-10 minutes or so. Was phenomenal. And like all the different things that they had to say about the movie and how like um, Arthur C. Clarke, the, the, the books that he wrote and like the subsequent sequels to 2001 mm-hmm. Space Odyssey and the books, like they just did. I, I was just so impressed with their, their conversation and kind of like the, 
the interpretations of 2001 a space odyssey and everything like the whole like the human zoo the whatever it is like the evolution of human you know ape mm-hmm. to the star child throughout the course of the movie i mean i was i was just incredibly impressed by that and like two, 2001 a space odyssey is odyssey is one of those movies that like I, I just think I could listen to people talking about this movie all the time. I, I've watched I've about 70% of the way through the movie ever since I listened to that podcast. Cause I've just been kind of watching it in bits and pieces, but I will fucking tell you like that is just number one, a cinematic triumph and number two, a movie that is so ripe for fucking discussion that like, I'm very happy that um, Griffin and David decided to tackle that on, bring on the guests that they did and put together the episode that they did, because it's, it's definitely up there with the, the Kubrick series. I'd probably say that it's 2001 eyes wide shut and the clockwork orange are my top one, two, oh, three sure. episodes out of that run. Mm-hmm. And like the eyes wide shut episode is three hours that I like would love to listen to again, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I particularly thought they did a great job with 2001 and for anybody that um, has seen 2001 and maybe doesn't quite get it or has seen 2001 and gets it, but loves hearing different perspectives on it that is like the definitive podcast for 2001 and space odyssey. No one needs to talk about that movie ever again after that episode. <laughs> oh, for sure. Dude, it, it's nuts. That whole, that whole series of, but the, the three that you named specifically, but that whole series into Kubrick was one of those ones that like, uh, like one makes you appreciate the ap- perhaps like the absolute unparalleled genius that Stanley mm-hmm. Kubrick actually is. Um, but also like, Man, like it, it really it does break down those movies in a way that like I, I like I really want to go back and watch some of these movies to reevaluate some of the to see if I was if I was taking these movies in the wrong way and I probably have been um, taking these movies you know because like some of these movies I haven't seen in like fifteen years so twenty three year old me is gonna probably have very different ideas about two thousand one and The Shining than thirty eight year old me will have so. Right, right. I I know what you mean. Like Full Metal Jacket is one that yes. After I was like go after listening to it and and then I rewatched Full Metal Jacket when Jess and I were in Vegas and I was like just like late at night drunkenly or whatever and even loaded I was like yeah wow like man I've been I think I've been watching this movie wrong for mm-hmm. a very very long time now they provided a lot of like intellectual insight on the movie and not necessarily stuff that like. I didn't think about like, you know, there's stuff in the movie that like is clearly obvious about like, just like stripping these people of their identities and turning them into killing machines. Like that's on the wall. But like some of the stuff that you would use as supporting sentences for that statement were just incredibly intriguing in what they got into on the podcast. Yep. Yep. Big fan of that series. Big fan of blank check in general. Love it. Um, Chama, this is my sales pitch for the sloppy boys. Um, one, what a great name for a, a, a podcast about people people drinking, uh, yeah. the Sloppy Boys. Um, but they're also a party rock band, which is going to comes into play in the earlier episode. <clears throat> comes into play in the earlier episodes, and once upon a time, I suppose if you I suppose if you dig around for it, uh, they used to have a sketch show on IFC called the Birthday Boys. Um, oh, I've heard. I think I've heard of that before. Okay. That rings a bell to me. Definitely. Yeah. So they've been around in entertainment for for a little while now. They're about. They're basically like about our age. Um, they've been around doing entertainment stuff for quite a while. Um, but so the Sloppy Boys, obviously, cocktail podcast. Um, they cover all sorts of drinks, um, mostly ones that you'd find like in like a you know like a bartender's manual, like an IBA manual. They're mostly covering those. But they'll do um, you know they'll like 
for a while there, they were covering like whenever Bud Light would release a new seltzer pack, they would cover that seltzer pack and like sample them all. Um, even they even tried mailing them. Like one of the hosts lives in New York, the other two live in LA. They even tried mailing um, one of the uh, packs to New York, uh, which was in, in and of itself hysterical. Uh, yeah, like you know, walking up to walking up to uh, you know a UPS store with what's clearly like you know a package of alcohol and like, are there any liquids in there? No. Nothing in here. Don't worry about it. Um, and sure enough, like half of them exploded. But so they'll so they'll cover other stuff besides like your IBA cocktails. Um, they'll cover their own concoctions. Um, they'll even like what my favorite part is they get into the history of some of these drinks and like where like the name comes from. Like like an old fashioned, for example. Um, it literally is one of the oldest. It's one of the like first cocktails that like really even exists. Even like in the eighteen like if you go back to the Civil War era. Even then, like the the name comes from, you'd go up to a bar, you you say, "I want a drink in the old fashioned style," and mm-hmm. even in the eighteen fifties, eighteen sixties, and during that era, that there was they think it was in reference to a drink that's like at least a hundred years older than that. So, like you get into the history of where these drinks ca- came from. Some of them are much more recent, um, but and some of them are just basically like marketing tech, you know, marketing employees or whatever. But either way, there's still like a lot of information they get into. Um, what they used to get into at the beginning, uh, there, there must be some copyright issues that they ran into because they used to do parody songs in about their first 30 to 40 episodes, maybe even a little bit more than that. No, more like, more like 50 or 60. There's a parody song in every episode where like, there's like, I just listened to one where, um, Elton John and Elton John, they do a fake Elton John song about the Sazerac and like, (laughs) that's crammed in there 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 are little bits that they're always recurring for a while there they had a recurring bit called gale watch which was okay. have you ever heard of the singer gale uh i have not it was a fake you you've probably heard her song a b c d e f fuck you or whatever it is i actually i don't even know if i've heard that I'm you like, probably have it, it was okay. don't, worry, don't worry about it you probably have but they even had like a fake segment where they were just covering all things gale i can't remember specifically why but like it turned into a joke, and then it was like a segment for like ten episodes. Um, so they're very, very funny. In particular, Chuma, you should check out the Sazerac episode. It's hysterical. Um, the there's an episode called the Lineup uh, with Mike Mitchell. Are you familiar with Mike Mitchell, actor, comedian? Oh God, yeah. this guy rings a bell to me too. I'm gonna look him up really quick. I Big know husky guy. He's question. also like a host of oh, a show yes, called the Doughboys. Yeah. Yep. He was. He's on Doughboys. Yeah, he was yep. um, in this show called You. And yeah, I know exactly who this yep. is. Yep. Uh, they do the lineup is this thing that Mike Mitchell does where it's like you I believe you shoot you shoot whiskey chug or I think you shoot chug shoot chug and it's like um, it's like a like whiskey then it's um, Guinness then it's more then it's like something else and then it's, you chug a Bud Light and they end up doing two of the, the Mike Mitchell and one of the other hosts end up doing this three different times and they are just fucking hammered like they're smashed. <laughs> And there's another episode. Uh, there's another episode called. It's called the Sidewalk Slammer, and it's like kind of like a recent made up. I mean, they're all made up drinks, but one that's just like it's a very recent kind of collegey made up type of drink. And they get fucking tanked on this, and so much so that there's like a follow up on the following episode. They do like a, a recap of what happened the night before, where one of the hosts was like just they found one of them like sleeping in the bed of like a flatbed truck, just like out in the streets of LA, like. <laughs> It is funny. Like what they, what they do is very, very funny. I highly recommend the sloppy boys. Oh, I'm going to check that out. Yeah. I had that, um, on a 
list here I'm putting together for sure. That does sound amazing. And like, I like those, the Doughboys guy are good. They're good. Like, Oh, I, I love the Doughboys. Yeah. I, I like that podcast a lot. Like it's, um, I listened to a live one where they reviewed Swenson's and I was like, fuck yeah. Nice. Swenson's getting some love. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Dude, for sure. Yeah. That's a good podcast. Like that's, that's one of those ones. They just have like the sloppy boys. They just found the right people for it. Like it's like mm-hmm. a perfect, perfect host lineup. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, this fucking uh, Doughboys guys go on tour and everything. Oh yeah, for sure. The, there's, it's nuts that you can, it's nuts that you can make enough of a living to like that. Like, you could, you can live in LA, and obviously, like they they do other stuff too. But like, that is like you can make enough of a living doing that. It just blows my mind. Yeah, um, that you can go on tour, no on less. Tour, on yeah. fucking tour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I almost, I almost went. Uh, I, I. I was working, but I almost went and saw, uh, how did this get made? Was it the casino? I almost went and saw him. Oh, no way. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, but I, they... I, I was working late. So yeah, yeah, no, I got you. Yeah. That would be fuck. That would be pretty fucking cool to see actually for sure. Yeah. Uh, so did any, any of our, did any of our episodes inspire you to go search some more, search out some more shows on the subject that we talked about? Oh, definitely, dude. Like, all, anytime we had 80 stuff or movies, I immediately went to podcasts, like, the next day to just continue listening to people talk about the movie, continuing to be getting stuff that we could use for the show, like, whatever our discussion was, and if there was anything to pull from there. So, yeah, there was a lot of times, specifically when we were going after uh, movies and talking about movies, that I would go to a podcast right away afterwards and just kind of listen and continue to absorb discussion. Yeah, I, I do the same thing, um, especially especially if it if it happens to coincide with like um, you know something something a little bit more of note. Like if we if like when we covered you know we covered John Carpenter, obviously the the John Carpenter series came like right after like the following year on Blank Check. But that was like an immediate like oh you have to listen to all of this like there's right I would anyway but like have to listen to all this now since we just did this the year, prior year um, but I've gotten to I I have them on my list I haven't gotten to them yet but I have three different wrestling podcasts on my list that I 100% going to go into one one is like a one is called when it was cool a long form history of wrestling um, which okay I'm in um, yeah. and then there's another one called lapsed fan that I that I a lot of people say like to check out recommend and another one called wrestlemania with dave Meltzer that i'm going to check out so like i i kind of i've i've actually i've actually checked in on a couple of raws and smackdowns since we've had our since we did our our wrestling podcast but i think more so than watching wrestling i think this is going to be my way into wrestling are these podcasts Oh, hell yeah, dude. You could have those on in the background, knock out episodes while you're working and stuff and everything, and you don't have to visually focus on moves and stuff. And I guarantee those people have crazy-ass fucking stories. Oh, probably. Probably provide some really cool perspective that, like, maybe, like, on the business side of it, the way Samson would. Yeah, yeah. So anything that you want to check out specifically in, in the podcasting world, shows or overall genres that you want to check out next year? Okay, so, yeah. Like, I have, um, I'm definitely into the idea of getting more history podcasts on my rotation. Um, like it's just, I don't watch the history channel and I don't even really know if the history channel is history anymore. It sounds like it's mostly Pawn Stars and I stuff think, like I was that. Gonna say, I think it's just Pawn Stars shows. and then occasionally a show about the Nazis. Right, exactly. That's right. So like I need to get in more like history podcasts because I did enjoy 
the You Must Remember Manson. And I know You Must Remember this, like I don't think has released a new episode in quite some time. So um, any type of history thing I am totally down for. Uh, when it comes to like more specifics, I do have How Did This Get Made, Unspooled, and uh, We Hate Movies just locked and loaded, ready to go, like I said, for when I watch um, movies and stuff. And then um, there are two things specifically. Uh, St. Vincent, the singer, is getting her own podcast. Hopefully this one might be a music podcast that I consistently listen to because I, I just still haven't found the right one yet. And there's also going to be a kind of like history of Pearl Jam type podcast that's coming out. I got wind of and I loved when um, so Spotify did a a mini like limited series about the clash a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and Chuck D was the host. Fucking loved it. It was awesome. It was just like nine or ten episodes just really great. Watch you through the whole band's career. There's something out called striped, which is like this oral history of the white stripes that only has two seasons. And I hope to God that they get more of them because they just like full of really like kind of cool stories and information. And since the white stripes are from Detroit, a lot of that kind of leaks into Ohio. So you get some kind of like cool, like Ohio type stories like, Hey, the white stripes were playing with so-and-so at this venue that I've been to God only knows how many times. So um, those are the ones that I look forward to in the future. It's primarily centered around finding a good history podcast and finally finding like a decent music podcast that meets my, you know, personal like kind of preferences. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha, I gotcha. Um, good call on the history one. I really should do more more history stuff because you're right. Like now that now that uh, the History Channel is just the Pawn Network, um, there's not really like a great place to get history stuff. So that's, that's probably a good idea. But I, I want to get back into every now and then popping in a fiction podcast. Um, I, I previously listened to Welcome to Night Vale, which was um, generally pretty good. Like it, it was, it's like, a, I know they're trying to develop a, a Welcome to Night Vale TV show. I don't know how you can do it other than basically just make it like the Twilight Zone, kind of like individual, like it, there's no way that it can be episodic. Um, there's like carryover and stuff from episode to episode, but it's like... It's a new, it's like a new weird sci-fi catastrophe every episode. Um, I tried Limetown, which actually did get made into a show. And it was, the the destination was a complete disappointment compared to the journey. It was, it was an interesting sort of mystery podcast. Mm-hmm. But like where, where it ends up is just like, who cares? Um, like, <laughs> it just doesn't go where, it, it just, it just, I don't know. The resolution to it just doesn't feel great. Um, so yeah, like I'd, I'd like to find some more, I'd like, I'd like to find some more good mystery stuff or if there is, if there is a fiction comedy podcast, I will try it out because I still have yet to see that where where we're doing kind of a, essentially a radio play. That's funny. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. I haven't seen that at all. I, I could find 10 comedians in a room cracking jokes on Tinder, but you cannot find about Tinder, but you can't find that. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I I just, I think that's one of those things I know. I know it's once it happens, once we really crack and and I know that there have been, obviously there have been TV shows and stuff adapted. I watched one. Um, archive 81 is, was a podcast. Um, and it wasn't bad. Um, yeah, it wasn't bad. I, I can, I can see, this is that's actually probably better in podcast form, to tell you the truth. Um, gotcha. But it wasn't bad at all. I, I just, I, I once once we really get one that cracks, I think there was a. I feel like Julia Roberts was in a show that was based off a podcast as well. Um, but like we haven't had one that's really like cracked yet, like that 
has like this like where you're just like oh this is this is the show that's based off the podcast that everyone that everyone's talking about hasn't happened yet it will i just don't know what it's going to be yeah no i i totally understand for sure yeah like i getting into some kind of fictional thing like i think sounds awesome and stuff and i think that they shouldn't continue to do more stuff like this and when you have podcasts and all the you know time to record and everything like that like you know and for people especially that are kind of sick and tired of television how i can be sometimes that is a really great outlet for sure to do something like this yeah something different something different all right uh anything else before we wrap up here now that this is our own three-hour episode yeah, the one thing I was going to put a pin in about Craig Mazin, um, he oh, yeah. actually had, he has a podcast out called Script Notes, and he hosted with this guy named John August, who is the writer of Go, uh, the Charlie's Angels movies. Oh, okay. And he, he had a run with um, Tim Bird with Big Fish, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Frank and Weenie. These guys do a really, really good podcast. And on top of talking about some of the screenwriting fundamentals, they really hammer home discussions about the business in general. And um, some of these discussions that they have and these guests that they bring on, it's no, nobody's super famous as far as the guest goes. It's usually like a, a writer from the X staff, you know, sure. and stuff like yeah. that. But um, I think that they have some really, really good discussions. And for as much as this industry changes and as, as often as it does, I think that they provide some pretty good insight as also being like kind of like a source of news to find out like exactly what the hell is going on in this town from the like um the screenwriter showrunner perspective i I think it's very very interesting yeah yeah that that actually does sound really interesting sort of the um um getting the yeah getting the 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 more of the the, if you will the blue collar perspective in hollywood versus versus talent or the directors or anything else like that the people that are sort of rolling up their sleeves and doing a lot of the work yeah, the, these guys kind of remind me of nothing personal, but in a screenwriting type setting and stuff like that, which which I can appreciate. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, oh, thanks for thanks for kind of gently convincing me to get into the Sunny podcast too. It's it's definitely worthwhile, and when it's good, it is really really good. Yeah, those guys. Um, after a really short period of time that that show has been on they've made monumental strides in terms of the, uh, the podcast. And now like you could really hear them enjoying themselves and having a good time before, like it wasn't like they were having a bad time, but you could, I, they were still trying to like figure it out, you know, like maybe the, the genre itself or what to like I do in these podcast type situations, but they have really grown into their own. And it's almost, it's kind of like how they are on the show without playing the, the characters are much more comfortable now than they were oh, when they first started. 100%. And I'm, I'm very glad that it's not a, like there's a, um, what was her Angela Kinsey and Jenna Fisher doing like the office rewatch podcast. Yeah. I'm glad that it's not just an episode for episode. This is what happened in the podcast. This is what we did. Remember this, remember, you know what I mean? Like, right. I don't. I can't even imagine, unless you're an office mega fan, that you would want to sit and nothing against Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey whatsoever. I just can't imagine that you want to sit and listen to like the details of of each episode versus what what they're doing on the Sunny Podcast. Whereas, what is the spirit of the episode, and where is this going to take us? Yeah, like I love there's sometimes they barely even get into the episode and that's right. and that's cool. You know, like it, it, there may be like five to ten minutes of overall discussion about the episode and it just somehow works. You know, mainly I'm such a fan of those guys that like 
they can they don't even really need to preface it with the fact we're talking about episodes but um when there are episodes when they get into where like lynn manuel miranda was on um a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and we were talking about the the charlie nightman cometh episode that might have been the most they've ever actually talked about an episode before oh and yeah mainly musical you know you had lynn manuel miranda right there but like for the most part it's like oh we're going to talk about this and they maybe talk about a few of the actors that were in that episode and then it's just right back into their usual great back and forth banter mm-hmm. yeah I, I i i like their version of it because yeah sure you're gonna get some insight into it but I, i'm we're we are here for them and whatever they're gonna do like i right. i loved the i love the the brief you know the when they're doing their live tour in louisville and philly yeah like that that's the that's the kind of thing that is significantly more interesting to me bring in some guests do some gags you know whatever I don't I don't need I don't need a rundown exactly of that time that you did like whatever it was like I don't I don't need mm-hmm. it it's fine yeah dude one of my buddies was at that festival in Louisville that they were at and like um I don't know they were not originally on the bill it was like it was, as having the podcast there so somewhere from the time the initial lineup got announced to whenever they had the festival they added them on there mm-hmm. and he he was talking to me about it. he's like. Yeah, so I guess like the It's Always Sunny podcast was here, and I was like, dude, like I just found out about that, and he he didn't go see it because he was off seeing music and stuff. But I was like, what a fucking weird but awesome place to end up for those guys because like Louisville is learning how to do music festivals in all the right ways, and the fact that they ended up on that one, which is like the the first time they've had the festival in a couple of years, was just I was. I was very happy that they did that, and hopefully they continue to show up at more festivals and stuff like that in the future. For sure, I, I hope they I hope they bring back the the um, Nightman um, live tour or the Dayman yeah. live tour. That would be hysterical. Oh God, yeah, they're they're. I know that they're getting ready to put in. I think there's more show dates coming up, so hopefully a live event from them is more of a regular thing because it's got to be a blast like there's no way in hell that that's gonna suck Mm -hmm. oh for sure for sure all right i don't have anything else you want to lead us out of here i definitely will so everybody thank you very much for tuning into this marathon episode of the occasionalist podcast this is adam chemaluski and matthew pagel we are wishing you the best you guys have a good one thank you